RPS, powered by SET. Welcome to the weekly review on RPS, the radio show where we discuss some of the hottest and relevant releases in pop culture. This week, upon hearing the new album by the much-revered British artist The Streets, who famously retired from music in 2011, we're focusing on comebacks, which ones were fire and which ones were phoned-in cash-ins. We are the Knights of the Roundtable. King Arthur is His Royal Highness Ben Cardew. Good to know, yeah. <laughs> Sir Lancelot is actually a dame by the name of Mar Viverdu. I'm blushing now. <laughs> I mean, if this was a school play, you'd obviously be Queen Guinevere, but those tales were written by men who were sexist, so you get to be the heroine in this, <laughs> on this version. Behind the controls, we have our trusty seneschal, Kay, played by Robert the Roman who can't, hasn't got a microphone, he's just waving. And I'm obviously Merlin because he was a wizard and wizards are wicked. Today we go medieval on your brass with a savage start from Megan the Stallion and her new friend, a girl called Beyonce. I'm a savage, had a too nasty. Talk big shit, but my bank account match it. Hood, but I'm classy, rich, but I'm ratchet. Haters kept my name in their mouth, not a gagging. Bougie. He say the way that thing move is a movie I told that boy we gotta keep it lowly, me the room key How done bled the block and now it's hot, bitch, I'm Tunji I'm mood and I'm moody I'm a savage Classy, bougie, ratchet Sassy, moody, nasty Acting stupid, what's happening? What was happening? Bitch, I'm a savage Classy, bougie, ratchet Sassy, moody, nasty Tick-tock when I dance On that demon time, she might start her OnlyFans Big B and that B stand for bands If you wanna see some real ass, baby, here's your chance I say left cheek, right cheek, drop it low with this wine Texas up in this thing, put you up on this gang I be parking my frame, gang, 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 gang If you don't jump to put jeans on, baby, you don't feel my pain Please don't give me hype, write my name in ice Can't argue with these lazy bitches, I just raise my price I'm a boss, I'm a leader, I pull up in my two-seater and my mama was a savage Nigga got this shit from Tina I'm a savage Yeah Classy, bougie, ratchet Sassy, moody, nasty Acting stupid What's happening? What's happening? Bitch, I'm a savage Yeah Classy, bougie, ratchet Sassy, moody, nasty Acting stupid What's happening? What's happening? Like Beyonce Like me a bitch like the stallion with the knees He be like, damn, how that thing moving in the jeans Ay, Even D4L couldn't do it like me, like me Bitch, I'm a savage, yeah. Classy, bougie, ratchet, yeah. 
sassy, moody, nasty. Hacking, stupid, what's happening? For the queen and buy some cameras in here I'm a bad bitch, she's a savage, no comparison here I'ma flip my hair and look back while I twerk in the mirror All this money in a room, think some scammers in here I'm coming straight up out that third eye Whip the whip like I stirred it Wood grain, we swerving, keeping his mind all on these curves Coop fly like a bird, cold on him like birds Always keep my words, no I don't do crosswords Sell you in a writing like them hot girls, them hits uh. I hopped that shit the way I hopped up and slid uh. I pop my shit, now watch me pop up I'm loving this. Ben, what can you tell me about that song? Well, a lot of people are saying it's the song of the summer, which is something we seem to talk about quite a lot, because I love it. Um, it's just got basically a two-note melody, which I love. It's sort of the hottest people in music getting together. Uh, and it's, absolutely, it's absolutely wonderful. And it, if anyone invites me for any hot DJ gigs this summer, I'll be playing a lot, but they probably won't. So there we go. But um, when what is, how much credibility is there between the friendship between Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce? I'm not really much in the know about Megan Thee Stallion. Has she been around a long time in the background? Yeah. And... She's she, not been around. Oh, sorry, Mark. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say they are both from Houston, so they got that in common. And Megan has been around for um, a hot minute. Like she has Tina Snow, that it's the previous mixtape, and it got she got big with that, and then she went huge. Gee, all of her songs these days seem to be really big. I know. So, but it's funny because I think she's filling a slot which Cardi B was occupying, where everything Cardi B uh, d- uh, gained a lot of interest on social media and, and on streaming platforms. It was the most listened to songs at the time when Cardi B was everywhere after Kodak, Kodak, Ye- Kodak Yellow. Kodak Yellow. But the thing is, they can both have the same slot. I don't think it's got to be Megan or, or Cardi. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, but it's just funny how there's always. There's always a a queen of a summer, maybe, and I'm getting the feeling that Megan is owning summer 2020. Well, I was going to say, you've got to look for Beyonce, because she's got that, and she's also got Black Parade, which for me are the two songs of the summer. So Beyonce's done it again. Sorry if that's a bit boring, but she really has. Thing is, Beyonce, I think she's on that level where she she she's just omnipresent. (laughs) She's not she's no longer the queen. She's the goddess, you know, in the sense of being everywhere, and she she doesn't need to keep. She's she's risen so high that now she just overlooks and lets people like yeah. Megan Thee Stallion have their moment at the mic. They're just waiting for Beyonce's approval, and Megan got it. I feel like exactly. I'm yeah. just waiting for Beyonce's approval. <laughs> uh-huh. Same. But yeah, yeah it, you know, since today we're going to be speaking about comebacks. No, it's an interesting concept because it has to do with with age, with uh, changing of guards, with generational uh, perceptions of an artist's career. Uh, ben and I, for instance, were of a, of a certain time different to yours, Mars. So we grew up where we coincided, for instance, with today's honoree, uh, The Streets, who's just made a comeback album of sorts because he had announced his retirement in 2011. And nine years later, he's decided to come out of retirement and release an album. Um, did The Streets mean anything to you when you were small? Were you, and- mm, not really, <laughs> but... 
I can learn about them with you today. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what Ben is going to help us uh, understand. Ben, you're, you, you, you really listen to the streets because you were in London when the streets was happening when when original pirate material came out, didn't it? I was. The good thing about the streets is, you know how you get those artists who are very close to your life and very close to your background. And I've always felt with the streets that obviously I don't have his talent or anything like that or his ambition or anything but I've always felt that were it not for those uh, not inconsiderable things like I could almost be the streets because we're pretty much the same age we've got very similar tastes in music um, he came out as I said well just when I moved to London he was living in London at the same time there's all these massive parallels so I feel this kind of strange kinsmanship with the streets and yeah when I just moved to London uh, in 2001 I remember has it come to this hearing this on the radio and just thinking this is incredibly unique and then sort of the streets has you know grown grown old with me you know he's had children he put out that that his brilliant autobiography uh, he gave up on the streets for a while and it just feels like we're, we're well Obviously, as I stress, he's got all the the adulation and the the talent. But other than that, like we, we're sort of almost like parallel lives, you know. I I never read the autobiography. Uh, what was revealing about it? It was he. Well, the thing is, it wasn't like you learn loads of things you didn't know because he's always been very autobiographical. That's what he's I always, mean. And he's always been very good at like talking about the bad things in his life as well as the good. But it's just really interesting. Um, his honesty to see he does kind of things like he doesn't he's very honest but he, he doesn't if something was not very good he'll say it's not very good but if something was really good he's not all false modest you know he's not like oh and then you know i had a number one song but it didn't mean anything to me he's like <laughs> and he actually tells you about how great it is to have a number one song he tells about what a dick he was how he totally went off the rails and he kind of acknowledges all of that um and i just find it very illustrative very illuminating of, of kind of the life what it must be like when when that kind of thing happens to you you know because it's not like he got a band together and then you know the singer was was writing songs it's like he did it kind of all himself you know he was like okay i'm gonna do this kind of thing and you know he was in australia for a bit uh, having a year abroad when he started to make music and he decided he was going to come back and do do things like that and there are so many points where it's like oh that could easily not have happened you know like maybe he could have just stayed in australia maybe he could have not done it maybe he could have not got that computer but he did and i think he's a supremely talented person what i find fascinating is how he made this breakthrough which seems like obvious now you know kind of rapping about like very everyday things in a very british accent over like garagey beats it seems kind of like yeah well why wouldn't you do that but when like somebody actually did it, it was like, oh, incredible and then after him you got people like lily allen mm -hmm. who i always thought was very similar and suddenly like it was like okay you can make this music and i've always been fascinated by how he managed to make that breakthrough well, remember how back in the day he was compared to Ian Dury or uh, Ray Davis from um, The Kinks because they were also great writers, musicians who were able to uh, talk about the ordinary and the mundane and make it funny, make it hilarious, make it interesting and also make it... Um, it's a reflection of us and that's what I've always liked about The Streets. He is the typical bloke. Uh, even in, at the height of his success, he was never eccentric. He was rapping about getting a mortgage 
you know, <laughs> musicians never talk about mortgages. There's always like giving the f- fake sense that they own a palace in the south of France, or you know, you, you you do all these kind of PR things about sharing part of your private life to give off an image. And the streets was like, no, no, mate, I'm still uh, trying sorting out my holidays with my missus and uh, trying to make holidays with a baby work and um, and having complaints about having debt <laughs> and and those things are things that it, it's it's very middle class shall we say and and this everyone could relate to it on so many levels and and it's always it's it's a welcome presence to have him come back as a guy who's been a dad for a while now and it's basically Mike Skinner in his new midlife crisis which is Mike Skinner in his 40s you know I really want to hear about how he is tackling this life just like we are no Mar what do you think about grumpy men in their 40s uh, <laughs> stealing the limelight from other pressing matters oh no but what you said about like him rapping about um, mundane stuff and what you said then Lily Allen came and I Lily Allen I did um, listen to her a lot and I see this resemblance that she talked about I don't know London being stinky or about her little brother and this stuff and I I now want to hear what he is about because I really enjoyed Lily Allen singing about all the stuff and I'm curious now to see his midlife crisis But Ben, we were re- trying to find the English equivalent for the word in Spanish costumbrismo. Which, yes. No, which Mark, can you explain costumbrismo for our listeners well, in Spanish? It's like mundane, day to day. It's not exciting, but at the same time, lots of people can relate. I I don't know how I would say it. Because obviously, it was a it was a very strong literary movement, yeah. and uh, but. And and you, you have uh, in French they say the quotidien, no, mm-hmm. when something is yeah mundane and ordinary. But there isn't we couldn't land on that one word that in English that describes the kind of language the 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 or or the, or what Mike Skinner and Lily Allen and all those maestros talk about. But um, going going to the album itself, what did you think, Ben? Musically, is it comparable to his best work? Um, So my my rather pithy line about this album, which I hope you'll excuse, is that it's the fourth best Streets album and will always be, <laughs> which sounds like really harsh. Uh, it certainly doesn't sound like the you know the kind of thing you'd want to listen to, but it's actually really good because the first three, well, the first two Streets albums are acknowledged classics. Everybody everybody loves them. The third one, a lot of people hate, but I actually love because it's nasty and bitter and 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 very strange. And, and this is just not quite as good as that one and okay you think okay well that's that's pretty rubbish isn't it but that means it's better than two streets albums he did in his in his first run of things uh three oh no two they did during his first run of things and it's very much up to the standard there's about three brilliant songs on it i would say and there's a lot of um very good ones which you know we're talking about comebacks today and who does that i was looking at like good comeback albums And it's like, oh, there have not been all that many, have they? You know, I mean, imagine if the Pixies, for example, put out their fourth best album today. You'd be pretty happy. Well, I disagree. I think Ride pulled off a very good comeback album. No, was it Ride? Slow Dive, sorry. I was Slow Dive. I confused yeah, the yeah. shoegazers. <laughs> the Slow Dive's comeback album, I really enjoyed. Ride's, it was a bit middle Yeah, it wasn't their fourth first album or anything, uh, as an example that just sprung to mind. But what I do like about this... Com- the, uh, this it, it, It's the same old Skinner. He 
can come up with these one-liners, one after the other. I'm amazed he hasn't, you know, he's, he's such an entrepreneurial kind of mind. I'm amazed he hasn't released a, a, a string of T-shirts or m coffee mugs with some of his lines. I mean, listen to on the song, You Can't Afford Me, for instance. I know you're so broke, you're having sleep for dinner. That is pure <laughs> class. That would break Twitter. I'm from MS, babes. You got better chance at Lidl's. I can just see, I can imagine all that's the Ms. people. That's Miss Bratt, isn't it? Yeah. That's Miss Bratt's line, actually, yeah. You know, so obviously it's great that he's finding other people, younger ones, or people like Jimothy Lacoste, who you have occasionally said that he's kind of in the same streets umbrella. Uh, he's also got that sort of wry humour, also good at the mundane, but giving it his own style. Um... Another line that really caught my eye was off that same song, You Can't Afford Me. If you don't know how much I am worth, then you can't afford me. It's 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 empowering, it's funny, it's it's witty. Uh, as I say, it's perfect for t-shirts and, and, and slogan kind of products. Um, I definitely put money into that business. Um, and, and I like the fact that he's chosen young young musicians, young voices, but he's also balanced them with people like Kevin Parker from Tame Impala, who seems to be everywhere. Kevin Parker's appearing on yeah, yeah. on albums from everyone, you know, either as producer or doing his vocals. I, I quite like that as an opener. It's a it's a it's a good sort of hit on the table saying, look, I'm coming back, but I'm still relevant. Look at the people who are willing to work with me. Idols who you know, they represent the kind of resignation that has always defined youth movements who stand before a hopeless future. Um, so it's it's great that they've, you know, you can imagine them getting on instantly. You know, they, they speak the same language, but with different styles. Well, the thing I love about him and what he's really done is he mixes sort of quite poetic lyrics with very, very, very mundane. I think this is what a lot of people miss about the streets, that he can be poetic and he can be incredibly mundane. Like, I mean, the first lyrics on call my phone thinking I'm doing nothing better. Yeah. Uh, call and call my phone thinking I'm doing nothing better. I'm just waiting for it to stop so I can use it again. Which is, on the face of it, a really dull everyday line, but it's actually when the more you think about it, it's quite profound. It's the kind of thing that you would not expect to put in a song. You know, because it doesn't really scan. It's a bit like the Manic Street Preachers. You know how they sometimes put these like really long lines that are yeah. really hard to sing. And it's just like that. And they make it work. Actually, that's not one of my favourite songs, but he, he still... I thought it was a really good introduction to the album. That I mean, that I was I, I remember I was I was uh, building a little barbecue fire right in my garden, in my terrace, and I was listening to that line, and it's like I had to stop, and it's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. let me let that sit in. You know, it happens to all of us on a daily basis, repeatedly. You're on your phone all the time, and and all you want to do is you're addicted to content, and as soon as someone asks you to reply a WhatsApp, you know, the, oh, yeah, are you coming to dinner or whatever, it's, it's a hindrance. And these are little mundane things, micromundanity, micromundanity. <laughs> Is that a word? Micro it, it sounds amazing. It's, it it, it's, it's see, I'm in a Skinner vibe. Um, Rob's looking bored um, <laughs> on the other side of the of the stuff. No, but seriously, it's the it's an album about phones, about being addicted to, to your phone. Because this is out. Uh, this runs throughout many of the songs on the album. In fact, nearly all of them are talking about different ways of of how we behave with our mobile phones. It's quite. It might be a testament, you know, back in, in the future when people are scientists or anthropologists are talking about the age when people wouldn't drop their phones and how it defined uh, people's behaviours. It's like, well, there was an album that addressed this and it's this one. See, what I love about it is the utter Mike Skinnerness of it. You know, he but is exactly himself and that's the charm of the album and that's, in a way, it's an Achilles heel. Like, being himself basically meant 
that he could dream up this new type of British music, which is like between hip-hop, garage, and telenovela. <laughs> uh, and it got him a massive audience, people who felt like him. But sometimes it's a little bit too much. It's like, I found this occasion on this album, it was just too much of him being him. You know, so it's a very sort of finely tuned uh, balance. But I love it, basically. And the song I think we're going to listen to is uh, possibly the best song on this album. The one yeah. song that I would really put um, as a Streets classic, which kind of, and it also does really well in introducing Green Tea Peng, who <laughs> I had heard of before but didn't didn't really know of, and she's absolutely brilliant on this. And again, I think it shows his humility that he does this song and he puts Doneo on it, he puts Green Tea Peng on it, and basically he's outstarred by people on his on his album, and he doesn't care. That yeah. Bless him. I definitely want to buy him a round of drinks. I always do. It's, it's the kind of guy you want to go down to the pub with. Because he's, he's kind of a pub guy, a bloke, but he's also got the sensitivity of a poet who lies around in fields. <laughs> so we're going to be talking more comebacks later. Uh, for the moment, this is, for me, the best song of the album. This is The Streets, I Wish You Loved You As Much As You Love Him. <laughs> Change. 
Unas birras, terracita, TJs, puesta de sol, el mar y conciertos, por fin conciertos todo el verano. Nits del Primavera y Nits del Forum. Hasta el 20 de septiembre. So, the thing about comebacks is they depend on relevancy. Will your audience still be waiting? Will they still love you tomorrow, as the Shirelles once sang? Do you have anything interesting left to say to the world? Can you pick up new audiences without the flair of novelty and youth on your side? Ah, Mar has brought some examples of those kind of artists that have the hardest time moving on, the former boy band pop stars. Yeah, we were talking about the topic of coming back and my area of expertise is obviously boy bands and I have come up with two different ways of coming back as a boy band. On the one hand, I have the prime example of One Direction. They go solo, they have the different careers, but it can go two ways. Um, Harry Styles is the definition of complete success, mm -hmm. uh, number one everywhere, Waterman, Watermelon Sugar High <laughs> is the other song of the summer apart from Savage <laughs> and I feel like he is uh, true to himself so he is loyal to his style he has this British glam movement inspired of gender bending mm -hmm. very similar to Bowie mm -hmm. Mercury Mick Jagger you can see lots of it, his inspiration but also being true to himself and this is what I think is the key of his success because he takes from what inspires him but also other people love, like Bowie, and it attracts his previous fans, like the former fangirls from One Direction, because he's true to himself still, but it also attracts new audience, like more adult, mature audience, because um, you can see the resemblance of Bowie and other British superstars that have this touch of spark that very few people have, but I feel like Harry is starting to to be like a, a, he can ignite a big fire with what he has now if he keeps going this way. So that's the prime example of good job, good comeback, good way to go. But you can also mm, go; it can go south if you are not true to yourself. If you're not, if you don't really have an identity to fall back on, if, and you just go with what other people tell you it can just go very bad just like Liam Payne who is another band member from that, One Direction yeah therefore four of them two of them I'm not even gonna talk about them because I don't think if they they have music or not but we know about Harry because it went perfectly and we know about Liam because it went really really bad he did he did a song with Quavo from the Migos trio mm -hmm. and it went quite well it was a hit just another kind of pop, more sexy song. But since it was a hit, his team was like, okay, let's exploit this and um, you got this hit. We're going to make you like a sexy superstar. But that was not quite his identity and his fans knew. So it was quite obvious. It was a money-making strategy and they it just went really bad. He has 
had to come out with kind of an apology for the album. Imagine how bad your album Whoa. has to be that you have to apologize. <laughs> That's what happened. Like he just, I feel like his team was trying to make like a 2000s R&B nostalgia thing. It's a good idea, but they just didn't hit the mark at all. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm making new music. I swear it, just, it was just a, a low point in my life. I swear I'm coming back better. Okay. So. Can I ask something from from uh, ignorance? Was it always obvious that Harry Styles was going to be the big star, or when like when One Direction split, could it be in any of them? I think it was quite obvious. It was either Harry or Jane, but Jane had the same chance as Harry as being a star, and he hasn't quite come as big as Harry. Because that's what I was going to ask. Like, okay, Zayn Malik, uh, celebrity-wise, mm, he's in, you know, he, yeah. he's in the papers, shall we say, yeah. but but musically, his, musically it's... he has one or two songs that he's good. He has a really good voice, but I think he hasn't quite find uh, the style or the, the identity he wants to portray or I don't know or maybe he's just tired of all the fame I'm not quite mm -hmm. sure he's just under the radar it's always interesting to analyze the careers of the post careers of, of boy bands because they're on first of all it's always a commercial product it's always something that's been dreamt up in a studio by PR managers and music moguls and stuff and uh, but we've seen it's it's always the same pattern it's always one chosen one who yeah. gets to go on like and take that it was Robbie even though Gary Barlow was the talented composer And he has a very successful career as a composer and songwriter. Gary Barlow makes loads in royalties, but not as a pop star. You know what? Yeah, it's like... Mm. Well, this is why I ask, because I find it really interesting. You never... You sometimes don't know who's going to be the successful one. And I was actually thinking of Take That. Everyone was like, yeah, yeah, Mark Owen's going to be absolutely massive. You know, Mark Owen is, is the heartthrob. Um, he's the most popular member, and he was doing this kind of like indie thing, and it never went anywhere. You know, well, he had a few sort of hits, but now, yeah. all right, he's back and take that, but his solo career, not a lot happened to it. I mean, you could have probably think, all right, Howard, not not so much going to happen to him. Jason Orange, probably not so much, but Well, Mark? they were just, they were more, they were dancers who could sing, really. I always thought of Jason and Howard as, the you know, the, the faithful sort of guys who fill the, who fill the squadron, really, but... But yeah, the, the the musical star power, it's true. Mark Owen was always the baby, though. And and the baby in the boy band, there's always the, the young one, the one who's going to appeal to the, the really, really younger fans. And they, they always have a similar position. You see, I was a New Kids on the Block fan because that was my <laughs> era. And it was the same pattern. There was the... the oh, I've forgotten his name, damn it. Anyway, McIntyre. Um, Joey? Joey. Joey. Joey McIntyre. Yeah, he was the baby. Uh, in Backstreet Boys, it was Nick who was the baby and and a lot of pressure was on him to see out of Backstreet Boys who was the one none Let, I will talk about Backstreet Boys because it's my favorite oh, okay okay so, so have you finished have, have we finished with One Direction yeah I'm gonna, I, I will say I am one of the adults who loves Harry Styles on the back right, of that one right. single sign of the times it was on the radio and it's like this song is just addictive it's it's classic it sounds like elton john could have written it it's piano-y and yeah. it's and you can hear it in an auditorium and and he's got incredible style can i say though i sometimes wonder if like people from boy bands go on to make more music because they don't know what else to do because that's what they're offered you know what i mean i'm not saying that's harry styles he's been very successful but like maybe some of the other members of um one direction maybe uh liam what's happened to him like <laughs> 
is there any like you know just because you were in a band doesn't mean you have to go on and do it doesn't mean you have to make make another record you know you certainly shouldn't be rushed into it why not go and do something else just working in an office or something like you are stuck with it you are a child superstar you have to keep being in the entertainment world you can just not go back and work in a bakery or something you have to be like okay i'm stuck with this now i have to come up with no but imagine like this is the time like when you leave one direction people are going to be throwing things at you if you want to get into acting you could do it if you want to get into presenting you could do it Mm -hmm. if you want to get into having a a cookery show you could do it because people are going to get you're hot people are going to give you that opportunity yeah you know Mm -hmm. like so why make a sort of album of reheated r&b well that that, it's also bear in mind that these guys these kids uh, they're young when 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 they eventually want to want to move on they 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 want to go everywhere because they think they can do anything. They they come from playing these stadiums all over the world and mm. people screaming your names. I can't imagine what that does to someone's mind. It's just like the case of Justin Bieber. I actually feel a little bit bad for him because Justin Bieber has been facing more cyber bullying than anyone in the history of music since day one. He was irritating to so many people online, and you know how trolls are louder online than lovers. Uh, and even though Justin Bieber can fill out stadiums and have uh, success in his pockets, the psychological effects of being Justin Bieber since day one is, is, is something I would never wish even on my worst enemy's children. That's true. I don't think... Uh, Harry, uh, Liam. Oh, what am I who? Sorry, who, who apologised for their album? I don't think Liam. Should, Liam. I don't think Liam should have apologised for it. I think that's a, that's. Such he a didn't weak say like literally. <laughs> I'm sorry for this <laughs> shitty album, but basically he said that in other words. He said I'm going to do different music. Sorry. Don't apologise for it. Yeah, that's, that's but uh, it, that's a sign. It's really bad. Is it really bad? Is it I bad, haven't bad? heard it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm afraid it was a sign of the times. Sorry, <laughs> that, that, again, I'm tanking with my crap dad humor. Um, <laughs> um, Do you want to hear please? another yes. story of success? Yes. Which is staying with your band. You know it works, uh, you just have a break and then you come back. We have the example, for me, two prime examples, which is the Jonas Brothers. They now know millennials are obsessed obsessed with nostalgia, thinking about when we were teenagers and what songs did we listen to. And now, we are supposed to have jobs, so we have the money to pay to go to concerts. So they came back together and monetized the hell out of our nostalgia and started doing world tours, even shows about the world tour, a movie, everything you can think of the entertainment industry. They did it and they have been a complete success. They're now, well, not now because of coronavirus, but they were everywhere, full stadiums, sold out it's it's a the biggest most intelligent strategy of all of them just monetizing out of our nostalgia and the other one sorry is, Mark. wait wait, wait. Yeah. out of the jonas brothers which of the three was the strongest on when they went solo the kevin is the obli- obvious one who had no career at all he had a family and that's all and then both of them were like the hot ones nick and joe so they both had um, solo careers that went well because one was kind of the hot, funny one, Joe. So he had like an 80s um, group. Uh, and then Nick had a solo, like, I'm too hot kind of career. And they both went well, not 
complete success, but it was going okay. But they knew that if they went back together, it would be even bigger. Claro. What about, wait, 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 didn't one of the Jonas have another side project which had a yeah. moment with that? Oh, tell me, exactly. baby. That's Joe being like the funny, quirky, but also hot guy with DNC, I think it was. Dance. But it was like a little super group, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Because they all came. Yeah, but they were all anonymous, but Joe. It was kind of his solo thing, but it was also a group. I even. Can I ask, what do you reckon? Uh, are you familiar with the work of McFly and Busted? Oh, God. McFly? Don't yeah. Open that yeah. Melon. Well, what did you think when they returned as McBusted? Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't know. I know them about in a Lindsay Lohan movie. <laughs> they were really big in Britain. They came back and they formed a supergroup, which I thought was brilliant. Half McFly, half Busted. Look, two, two, the two biggest McFly Busted fans, Rob Roman and David Camilleri, are technicians. <laughs> They're saying, no, no, no. That's real rock, gents. Emo. E uh, emo for the, 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 the Disney generation. But what I liked about that was they were able to like, <laughs> swallow their pride. You know, they was like, okay... We, we were in a band, it did really well. Um, but, you know, probably our fans would like us to do this. It's quite funny. Go on, let's do it. You know, you can't imagine, like, too many ba big bands being able to, have, like, sort of drop the ego to be able to do that. And I really like yeah, that. Yeah. So, and, and last but not least. Last but not least, and my favorite, is the Backstreet Boys. I was one day with my friends and I was like what what about the Backstreet Boys where are they are, are they married either are they doing normal stuff live but they're doing something better than having a normal life that is going on cruise ships all over the world and and just being their their own cruise ship so if you want to see the Backstreet Boys you have to go on a full experience one week of the Backstreet Boys being your entertainer on a cruise ship and there's photos in on the internet of them dressed up as pirates or oh my sailors god. oh my god ha it's the best thing and there's like what? you can see like the cruise ship the top of the cruise ship i guess the swimming pool area uh, them on a little little stage dressed up as something and full of women that are maybe 30 40 like screaming having the time of their life and i'm like i want to go there once in my lifetime before it's over <laughs> it uh, looks like so much fun. my head is exploding right now how, right? how, how much does a ticket like a, a passage on this cruise cost like the, the uh, i am looking this up right now like I'm, right. I'm not even Amazing. talking premium kind of like just a basic uh, normal just one kind of ticket i guess i haven't gotten that deep into it because now 2020 there's no cruise ship happening but at least last year there was one and i've I don't know the price, but I'm willing to pay. They get my money. It's because it, it might sound like a heinous idea, but this whole thing about <laughs> festivals on cruise ships and stuff, it's becoming quite popular. There was the one that Bell and Sebastian host uh, every oh. year, I think. Uh, what's it called? No, they did it once. The they Boaty once, Weekend. Yeah. The Boaty Weekend. And I think, uh, uh, you know, it's not such a bad idea if we're not going to talk about ecology because mm. cruise ships are a no-no. We should cancel cruise ships anyway for the, the effect they have on the on the oceans. But but um, the idea of spending three days concentrated at sea with your favorite entertainers is, I'm, I'm, I, I like it. I, I can't say I, I dislike it totally. The thing that slightly worries me about them is maybe they're selling the idea that you might get to hang out with them. I think you can. I think- Paying extra or you just can? I don't know. I've seen photos of these people like taking a selfie in the hallway of their 
room in the cruise ship or something like this. Like they have to be on the ship. This is the Somehow. thing. There was nothing more demeaning to an artist's career than uh, downgrading to performing at a hotel, at a yeah. wedding, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, that's usually reserved for tribute bands, cover bands. But it just, I, it, well, I, I think we need to do a show about boat show, boat, boat you know, the boat entertainment. Uh, Backstreet Boys were doing a headline arena tour not that long ago, no? Like, um, yeah, maybe, but the perfect thing about this is they're not trying to make it glamorous like yeah it's a different cruise ship it's a music experience they're not they're not like that they're like yeah it's tacky yeah it's horrible yeah it's a downgrade but we're embracing it all and we're going to have lots of fun and it's like yeah go for it that makes course. me admire them even more like the fact because that whole thing of you know maintaining the prestige maintaining that halo of no no i only do auditoriums i only do world tours i um i i respect a, a band who is capable of staring into the reality of the moment and saying you know what this year we're gonna try and make some money doing it through cruise ships right. or whatever as tacky as it might sound in fact the tackier the better go full on yeah so we, we, all right how good which bands would you go on a cruise ship with you'd go for backstreet boys I, i'll go with the backstreet boys johan who would persuade you to hand over like 800 euros to go on a cruise with them Oh, you know me, mate. Uh, BGs, Barbara Streisand. Uh, oh. if, if I'm going to go on a cruise ship, I'm going to go <laughs> full on schmaltz. You know, I want. Uh, I'd, I'd obviously like it to be a bit more festival y, like have more than one band or one, more than one repertoire. Barbara Streisand is very, very able to keep my attention for many days. So I've, I'd be happy with Barb on her own. But to bring it down to a more modern era kind of thing, I guess a cruise ship curated by. Mm, Primavera sound. Let's put it at that. Oh, that sounds so God, okay. All right, all right. I'm, I'm, uh, that's a <laughs> shitty answer. Sorry. Let, um, ben, what would your choice be? Nothing. Can't stand cruise ships. Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> get busy on them. Yeah, I don't like them. Duran Duran. Duran Duran is the ultimate yacht band for me. So, and it wouldn't be a cruise ship. It would have to be a yacht, like the one in that video clip for real. Duran Duran. You know, he almost died on a yacht, right? Did Simon he? Bon. Yeah, yeah, he almost oh, died. Yeah. On, the, on that he, shoot? For real? No, 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 <laughs> when he was doing around the world uh, yachting thing, he almost died. I think it was Sam Le Bon. It was definitely one of Duran Duran. See, this, I like my pop stars to be a bit eccentric. I like them, I like Mike Skinner as well, but I don't see Mike Skinner taking off on some skipper all around the world, you know, doing an adventure on his own like Simon Le Bon. This is the kind of pop stars I like. So anyway, what music should we play out to after this wonderful report? I think brought? we should listen to some Harry Styles so you know... It's also a target for you, their music, his music. This is Watermelon Sugar. Tastes like strawberries on a summer evening And it sounds just like a song I want more berries and that summer feeling It's so wonderful and warm Breathe me in, breathe me out Baby, you're the end of June. 
And it sounds just like a song I want your belly And that summer feeling I don't know if I could ever go without What a new sugar Yeah, Harry Styles on a cruise ship. I, I'd buy that. All right, I've got a question. Okay, so I, I asked earlier what this song was about, Watermelon Sugar, mm. and I've just been looking out. Apparently, it's about oral sex. Yep. Whoa. Oh, hello. Watermelon Sugar. Explain. But, Urban Dictionary. I, I don't know. Mars gonna have to explain. She you knows. She... He wants to taste the watermelon sugar of it... her, of his girlfriend. Wait. So is uh, is it uh, is, does it apply to both uh, genders? Yeah. Watermelon, yeah. watermelon, what? Sugar, sugar, watermelon, sugar. He gets high on that. I mean, I love watermelons, um, and I love the sugar in watermelons. The I make gazpacho with watermelon because it brings <laughs> a sweet taste to the acidity of the are tomato. You, sorry, are you talking about sex now or not? <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about food. Yeah, food for me is sex. <laughs> Tastes like strawberries on a summer evening and it sounds just like a song. I want more berries and that summer feeling. It's so wonderful and warm. That's what he says. Ooh. Cheeky little the, Harry. The music video is lots, lots of people in the beach being young and hot eating lots of watermelons. When when Beyonce sang Watermelon in in um, Drunken Love, what was she on about? Was she also on about maybe, water, oral sex? Maybe it's a metaphor that we are missing in each song. I swear, this morning I was chopping up some watermelon for my breakfast, and I was thinking I was thinking of Beyonce. Oh, I wish, I, was, I wish I was having sex. <laughs> no, no, I meant the real thing. I was cutting up fruit to have with my yogurt, and 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 I'm cutting it away, and I'm like watermelon. Nah, nah. I'm like, what does she mean with that? And surfboard. I, I, so many questions. I thought surfboard, all right, was it not to do with like some sort of very uh, tight abs, some kind of surfboard? Don't we say like surfboard stomach or something like that? That's what I was. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's because I still don't know what drunken love is about. There's so many th- messages. Isn't it just about like what? getting home really drunk and, and uh, having a lovely bit of a tumble in the kitchen? So, I mean, don't want to get too, you know. So that's what it is. So it's like, oh yeah, like a surfboard kind of uh, abdomen, ab- abdominal, no? Like hard like a surfboard, or is it that you're surfing all these emotions and then watermelon? It's, it's, she just drops it. Like all of a sudden she's singing, there's like, watermelon. Anyway, um, it's very hard to concentrate when in, in summer with the heat and, and all this fruit around and all these euphemisms for sex. How about we talk about boring technology? No, we're going to talk about one of the most amazing bands who have mm, transcended music to uh, employ technology as part Before of Before we do that, I bring yes. an absolute dispatch from the world of watermelon. Uh, watermelon is an aphrodisiac that contains a similar active ingredient as Viagra. Look at that. Whoa! And... Beyonce's home state of Texas is one of the biggest watermelon producers in the USA. Oh. Holy. Mm. Okay. And I won't go into the the stigma there is around African-American communities and watermelons because there's also a whole racial discussion around the, the image of black people eating watermelons and what have you. It's a different topic for a different episode. Um, but yes, 
it's an aphrodisiac, just as much as the music made by, or some of the music made by Massive Attack. Another musical project band used to be a trio when three uh, when Mushroom was part of it. Now it's just 3D, Robert Dalnaja and Daddy G. Um, comebacks. Is did Massive? When we talk about Massive Attack, can we talk about comebacks? Did, did they ever really leave? I, they, so they're one of those funny bands, isn't it? This is actually their first new music to, to, since 2016. So that's ages away. But they've been playing live so regularly. And they always seem to be, be in there. I'm, I'm going to call it a comeback, but it's a very low-key one, isn't it? Like You can't even get... Uh, they released a new EP. It's called Utopia. Uh, it features Young Fathers, Algiers, Saw Williams. But you can't, uh, at time of recording, get it on your uh, streaming service. It's only on YouTube. I don't think you can you can buy it either. And also, it's 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 quite um, it's quite low key low key in that they give over the voices to other people. Basically, yeah. uh, there are the guests, but also political speakers, and they're talking about wealth tax and, and lockdown and, and things like that. It's very um, very interesting kind of release now massive attack one of those bands i think have really worked out how to be a band in their old age yes because they do hit where at tours where they play the greatest hits but they're not simple greatest hits tours um where they kind of innovate but still give you what you want they still give you yeah. you know because they also rework the the music a little bit sometimes they, they they change some arrangements or some or or they give it a live band setting right to mix with the technology the the electronics and what i what i find interesting about massive attack is as you say the the way they they continue to be relevant because they especially now that everything is we, we get our information digitally they were already preempting this strike even with the hundredth window i remember those video clips the fact that they've been working very closely with visual artist adam curtis who by the way if you haven't seen hyper normalization his four-hour documentary it's available on youtube and it's totally mind-blowing and it, they, they are very good they're like the alternative CNN, shall we say, Massive Attack. You know, when you go to their shows, they've always got those uh, bits of information constantly being screened. And it's part of the experience of immersing yourself in the in, in Massive Attack's art. We've not got much time. So you want to talk about Jay-Z, another brilliant comeback, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, well, that's for me, that's one of the... Well, he called it the worst retirement in history. Because when Jay-Z <laughs> called it a day... Also in 2011, just like the streets, incidentally, um, his coming out of retirement only happened three years later uh, when he came back with Kingdom Kung. And his was interesting to analyze because in the three years that he went on hiatus, he became a powerful CEO of Def Jam Records. He became part owner of, uh, of, uh, of the New Jersey... Nets, Nets the Nets. Uh huh. So all of a sudden, he became a bigger mogul. And then when he came back, his 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 profile as an artist, as a cultural icon, as an entertainer, became immensely huge, even bigger than when he was on his incredible run from the Blueprint albums to uh, the Black album, etc. Um, to Kingdom Come. And uh, so he became even greater. Obviously, he also became Mr. Beyonce. And then. It's interesting to to see how his comeback affected his career because he became he's he's also become a powerful political force and the reason I wanted to bring uh, Jay Z to the discussion today was uh, I was very pleased to see that he's also doing his bit to have an effect on prison reform in the United States. I didn't know that. 
just recently i mean he's he's they've been both him and beyonce they've been they've been doing their their share to to raise awareness and also actually putting their money where their mouth is and with many initiatives and especially focusing on one of the biggest endemic problems that affects the african-american community in the united states which is um the prisons right the the unfair the unfair in incarcerment of many black people compared to the amount of um pe non-black people who might Uh, commit the same misdemeanors they seem to not get the same harsh treatment and stuff so Jay-Z has joined um, forces with other notable musicians like Yo Gotti and uh, his rock team and uh, they are taking legal action on behalf of the 227 Mississippi inmates at Parchment Prison just this week uh, to name one of the many examples of Jay-Z's uh, wonderful um, humanitarian work and sort of taking it back full circle Jay-Z in his comeback or his latter period has also like the streets kind of managed to talk about sort of more mature themes right he's not pretending to still be the same person he was when he was 20 sort of selling crack or whatever he's talking about like what it is like to be a father what it's like to be someone who's who's older um in hip-hop and uh, i love that that song he did uh, which talks about his mother being a lesbian you know yes. which is like uh smile that was on 444 which is like a really interesting mature subject you cannot imagine maybe you should be able to but I can't imagine like an 18 year old 19 year old Jay-Z being able to come out with this but this is someone who's spent such a long time in it like the streets they've been thinking about what they do and they kind of know this honesty works you know they know they can talk about it maybe they've talked about so many other things which is why um, I kind of like both the streets and Jay-Z's uh, latter period and I think that's all we have time for on today's weekly report review thank you mar thank you ben thank you rob thank you listeners for enjoying the show we're gonna play out with the only rapper in history to the only rapper to rewrite history without a pen no id mm -hmm. on the track let the story begin no i'm from the bottom so i still feel it from the bottom underdog before my kick still couldn't stop and flash cord remember cord spark the light in the dark peter park spider-man all i do is climb the charts up uh. King New York, New York, not only NYC, I'm hip hop savior. So after this flow, you might owe me a favor. When Kingdom come, you ready? When Kingdom come, uh huh. Not only NYC, I'm hip hop savior. So after this flow, you might owe me a favor. Just when they thought it was all over, I put the whole world on my back and broad shoulders to four over. Who you know took over tracks like that? Guess what, New York, New York, we back And I ain't never been afraid of a drought Since I was 617 and getting money down south Bow to bow it, Master P Ask the nigga Pimp C, ask my homie Bun B I run the streets, the streets don't run we Y'all run, we chill, still waters run deep I repeat, sing along with me I run the streets, the streets don't run we Ladies saying, where you been, Superman? With niggas spending 10 million in media on my hands. The Bruce Wayne of the game, have no fear. When you need me, just throw your rock signs in the air. Ladies and gentlemen. Tupac, Drake, Boys in the Hood, Kendrick Lamar, El Principe de Belair, Beastie Boys, Salt and Pepper, Public Enemy, Beyoncé, The Streets, Este Mes en Sofilm, La Mejor Revista de Cine del Mundo, 100 páginas dedicadas al Hip Hop, hazte con tu edición coleccionista ya en Kiosk. Tupac is just a beast so damn tough.